Hello and welcome to Five Alive. It's so excellent to have you here with us today. We do have some construction going on in the background, but hopefully some of it will just be muffled and you won't be able to hear it so well. If you do, please excuse uh, once again the construction going on in the background. Today we are going to continue talking about loving Christ, being a devoted Christian, and what that looks like exactly. And today our topic of our discussion is loving others, loving other people, loving our neighbor as ourself. These are the topic that we are talking about today, our love for other people. When a lawyer came to Jesus, he asked him, in order to try and trap him in his answer, the question he asked is, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus gave a response. This response is found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your, all your mind. He then immediately addressed the lawyer by going a step further and said, and the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus then gives us an interesting teaching which to live by. On these two commandments hang all of the laws and the prophets. All of scripture emphasizes the fact that loving others is vital proof of our love for God and vice versa, God's love for us. In fact, in the book of Leviticus, the book of the law, there is a testimony of the importance of our love for others found in Leviticus chapter 19, 9 through 18. However, in light of all of this, and as we're going to delve deeper into it, I want to give a couple of hypotheticals and just kind of leave the the hypotheticals out there with a question, and let's see if we can tackle this event of loving others. Let's say you achieve a great accomplishment. If you announce it yourself, or it is announced for you by someone else, you're going to have somebody who is going to be offended that you achieved something and accomplished it. They're going to come out and personally attack you. They're going to say hateful things about you. They're going to make up stuff about you in order to try and bring you down. And, and they're going to be greatly offended by the fact that you did this great achievement. And they're going to do everything they can to cripple you. So the question is, how do I combat the person who hates me in these instances with love? You could say that you forgive them. Okay. Take what they're saying with a grain of salt and continue to love them as a person. Don't let it get to you the fact that they're jealous or uh, angry at the fact that you got what they believe you shouldn't even achieve. Okay. Those are good answers. I have a second scenario. A position that you have been working desperately long hours and all of your free time in order to get is given to a coworker. Or someone else. In that situation where you believe you worked your hardest in order to achieve this position, what do you do to love your neighbor? Get over yourself and congratulate them. Sure. And continue to do your best in all that you put your mind to. Sure. 
quit your job. Quit your job. <laughs> Move on to somewhere else because you know that your work is not being appreciated. That is definitely a possibility, isn't it? I mean, if you know you've strived and if it's a, I mean, there's a lot of times where it can be just like a political ploy mm. of maybe it's a person that is, you already know that they're going to be accepted. I mean, no matter how hard you try and strive to be on the top of your game, you're never going to be on the top. I mean, some people either end their lives or some just quit and move on to go to a new place where they could be better accepted. Some become entrepreneurs themselves and begin their own business. It's not like that you can't work with somebody, but the biggest thing is, are we wanting recognition when we're going into a company? It's easy to go, yeah, yeah, I'd slough it off. But there are many people that will verbally talk it out through a vlog. Hey, this person has hurt me. But, I mean, there, there are people that are going to hurt you no matter what. I agree. But we have to know whom our security is in and yes. whom our identity is in. Yes. And if our identity is in Christ, that is whom we need to place our identity to. Because everyone's going to look different. Everyone's going to be different. Everyone's going to act different. Everyone's going to bring something to the table a little bit different. You accept that because Christ wants us to be with others. Christ wants us to get along with others. And it's not a me versus you or a you versus me. But when you're working in a unhealthy environment, so to say, and people are squeezing you out, that doesn't mean, oh, well, God wants me here. You have to really think about it going, no, no, I, you, ha you really have to think about the situation that you're in. If you knew mm -hmm. that you were the person that was to be selected for this position, like your boss even came to you and said, hey, you're going to be guaranteed you're going to have this position. And then within that week, somebody new comes in and they're the ones that are selected for the position. It's okay to question, why didn't I get the position? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with asking the boss, I've done this, I've done that. What is it that you're looking for? What did I not bring to the table? Right. How did I not meet the standard for this position? I think that's a fair question to ask. I think it is too. But the boss also has the right to not answer. Right. But I mean, if it's a safe environment, a healthy environment that you're working in, I, I think it's okay, okay to, to ask those questions. And it's not that you're jealous and or envious of the person that gained that position. And it's not that you wouldn't serve underneath that person and do your best still. But you have to really, if, if, are my talents being used? Right. Am I fulfilling my ultimate best? Or is there really more for me to be doing? Or do I, so to say, just want a day in, day out job and pass the papers? Correct. And as you brought up, maybe through that line of meditating and talking through things, you find that the best way you can continue to love your neighbor as yourself is to leave that position and go work somewhere else, become an entrepreneur yourself, or go find another job that fulfills the qualifications 
that you can love your brother and love your coworkers, likely, and not burn any bridges with right. the previous company, not shame them or talk bad about them or go out on social media saying this company is blah, 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 blah. Instead, as Xavier did talk about, with a grain of salt, understand the situation, try and find out information from the boss, and maybe it is best for you to move on to another company. Does that mean that you all of a sudden have to have a hatred? No. No. It just is a part of life. People do change jobs, and they can do it healthy and without bitterness in their heart for the people that they've worked with. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't have, you're not going in to say I hate others because you grow from the experience. Correct. You grow from the, the work that you put, put forth. You grow in uh, knowing in your own self of what you can and cannot accomplish. You grow if you're putting a meeting together and or a conference together mm -hmm. and or you're hosting or you're the grand speaker of the conference and you learn your limitations you learn a lot about yourself of what you can and cannot do and that stretches you as an employee and embetterments you as a person of you know hey i'm believing in this initiative i believe in the in the work that i'm doing and but if if you don't have that initiative of what am I doing um you gotta you do need to self-reflect and kind of question yourself I think what the conclusion of that as I'm following what you're saying is is am I allowing bitterness to not take root inside of my heart so that my love for others still maintains right and as you mentioned before my identity is found in Christ it's not found in this job or this position or the future position that I didn't achieve it's found in being a child of God in and of itself. The third scenario, you have created an invention or you have written a speech or you have created some kind of a project that has the potential to win an award. You bid on a job that is going to further your livelihood. And upon submitting that speech or that proposal or making that invention, you've poured your blood, sweat, and tears into this development. And in the end, you don't receive recognition or receive the reward. Or the invention idea is stolen by somebody else because you didn't properly file for patenting. And so they just kind of stole your idea and became a better company. Or the job that you bid on gets rejected for a lower bid. And all of your efforts that you put into this situation, you just feel the weight of the world coming down on your shoulders because you've got bills to pay or you've got some other thing that you were wanting to achieve, but you had to get this award in order to achieve it. How do I maintain love for my neighbor and not a bitterness of heart in one of these scenarios? Like in all of these scenarios, it's really hard to, <clears throat> really hard to do. But if you're following according to what Christ said in his first statement is the greatest of these is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, is if we continue to love God and we pray and we work through it, then we will also be able to love our neighbors and others and those who were able to get what we weren't able to achieve. And that's hard to overcome, but it just takes time. 
I don't know how you would really overcome it. Quick fix or anything like that. None of these are a quick fix, really. It takes time and patience and putting in the effort to continually strive to love others as opposed mm -hmm. to letting yourself get in the way. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up about the quick fix thing because it seems like that's what we've started doing here in the 21st century is, is we delve into a self-help book in order to try and find a quick fix solution to our problem in a scenario like one of these. Or our attention span is so short that even a book is too long for us. So we turn to YouTube or a podcast or to a TV show or to a movie in order to find the, uh, the credibility in which we are looking for for this quick fix in order to solve the problem immediately. And time is sometimes the greatest solution that we need in this scenario in order to work through it. And uh, it is through that that we can wrestle between the bitterness and the hatred, the dislike, the disgust, the, the letdown, the shock, the mourning, the grieving process uh, through all of these things. And it's these are things that we've got to work through and not expect just a quick fix to solve everything. And sometimes um, one of the solutions for us is, to, is really to keep our mouth shut, not speak about it, hold our peace, and and be patient. Wait. Is there anything else? That was a way that you can deal with not getting an award that you thought or a, a job bid or you've invented something and somebody stole it from you. Well, there's also that you add value. If somebody, if you're going from the aspect of somebody stole something from you, mm -hmm. I mean, how encouraging that kind of is because you had a grand idea. Like, it's a, man, why didn't I think of that? And so it's kind of like a, I don't know, a compliment at times because nothing's new underneath the sun. Yeah. Just because like, just because you have an idea doesn't mean that your idea isn't wrong. Your idea is good. It may not be the one that they can work on at that time, but you keep presenting it over and over and over. Ooh, like you that's hold, a great point. You hold on to what you believe in and maybe there might be others who believe in it it may just not be the time mm -hmm. or you have the facility and or the resources in order to to help uh because it takes money if, i mean if anything funding has to come with money i mean just because you have a brilliant idea you still have to have money to back it up mm -hmm. and if you don't have those investors of going uh i don't know uh, or sometimes your idea is too early. Right. Sometimes you've come to the table too quickly and it needs more development. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, don't, don't lose hope on that. And sure, yeah, somebody is going to make a knockoff. There's always a knockoff. Yeah. Because we all have the same material. We have access to all the same material. We have, whether it's in the food line or the clothing line or the industrial line, we have access to it all. It's just maybe... Your idea is tweaked just a little bit and a little bit fancier than somebody else's idea. Sure. Or not as practical. And Well, I mean, a great example of that would be uh, the rivalry there is between Galaxy, Samsung, and iPhone, right? Uh, a lot of the technologies are very similar. 
And then you have your people who are diehard fans of one thing over the other. Oh, no, I would never use iPhone. Oh, no, I would never use a Samsung. And uh, those rivalries can sometimes get in involved into people's hearts and so deeply rooted that I don't like you because you use a Gal Samsung Galaxy. So I can't be your friend. And when we allow those kinds of things to perpetrate our heart, that's when we are battling against this, am I loving others? Or am I judging them according to the type of technology that they like? In addition to Jesus stating that the law and the prophets hang on loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, which is what we're focusing on in the aspect of loving others. He also tells us that our love for each other will be an identifying marker of who Christ's disciples are. In John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love for others is an important reflection of Christ, as it is stated in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, which we uh, talked about a few weeks ago. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. If we do not love our brother or sister, then the love of Christ is not in us, and we are not a part of Christ. A most important understanding of what it means to love others is described to us in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Xavier will be reading that for us. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him, will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So in this passage, we see that everyone we meet is to be treated with the same love, honor, and respect that we would give our Lord. 
We lend a helping hand always. Our love also costs us something. Now I have a caveat, I have a warning here, a huge warning. When we read this passage of scripture, these words of Jesus, and we put them into practice, we have got to understand, warning, 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 working as a means of gaining salvation or forgiveness of our sins is not what Jesus is talking about here. That is not the way it works. Our remission or our pardoning of our sin can only come through the atoning work of the cross. Christ Jesus's shed blood, the burial of his body into the grave, and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Our love for others in the form of works is an indicator only that we are born again, that we are saved, that we are forgiven of sin already. It does not give us the ability to achieve eternal life. We don't gain eternal life by our good works. We only achieve eternal life through the work that Christ did on our behalf. This is a very important for us to remember because there are so many counter-religions that are out there. There are even segments within Christianity that focus mainly on the works that they do as a way to achieve salvation. And within the end of the 20th century and this 21st century that we live in today, a lot of people put their money only towards works, good works. Oh, if you buy a pair of socks, we'll give a pair of socks. So then they'll invest and only buy socks from that company. These are things that people do because they think they will achieve salvation as a result. The warning is that does not help us achieve salvation. Another aspect of loving others beyond caring for them and giving to them and honoring is forgiveness. We've brought this up a little bit ago. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, we'll talk about in just a little bit tells us to forgive others as Christ forgave us. You and I must be willing to freely give mercy and grace as Jesus has granted us mercy and grace. Forgiveness is so important that Jesus stated in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Because God loves us, he forgives us, and he accepts us exactly how we are. So to show love to our brothers and our sisters, our neighbors, and the people that are living halfway around the world is to do the same. Forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. We will be reading Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What qualities are you to enact to your life according to this passage of Scripture? You know, to be compassionate and kind, humility, meekness, patience, and bearing with one another. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. Be, being okay. Like, they can complain. It's okay to complain. It's not like it's an evil sin to complain. But hear a person's complaint out. And don't make a judgment. Because it could be they just want to complain. Yeah. They need to get it off their chest and that's going to help them. That relieves the pressure valve of stress that they have inside of them so that that way they are uh, more loving and compassionate. Right. Very true. And all of what you said to do, but also to continue in joy and singing and making melodies in your heart and to continue to find joy even in the hard times, to continually worship and praise God in everything you do. What qualities are you to enact in your life according to this scripture? Love. 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. What must we do? to live in the light. Love others. We must loveth our other brothers. (laughs) And how do we escape from the light and end up in darkness? By hating everyone. 1 John chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. What does it mean if we love our fellow Christians? Nothing, because it's the same as loving another person. Right. Very good. It's vital for us to know that our love for our fellow Christians is the same as our love for everyone else in the world. So what does our love for the brotherhood and others show the world? That we are in Christ. And what does it mean if we fail to love? We are of the devil. But it does show that we are. We are put to death. No. We are. You're right. We are put to death. We are put to death because, you know, murder is not good. And hatred means 
um, destruction. And if you say, oh, I hate you, that means that you don't want that person to be alive. Mm -hmm. Meaning that you are a murderer because you're murdering them in your mind because you hate them. Yeah. And 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 22. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. How will you live if you truly love others? Will you love them beyond just saying I love you, you know, like beyond your words? If there's a need and you're able to help out, I mean, because there are all those times where you can't help out, but if you're able to help out, you're going to help out your, someone, mm -hmm. and whether you know them or, or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is a movie called Overcomer, and there is a scene inside of that movie, Overcomer, where a man comes in, he sees uh, somebody in the hospital, he comes in and talks with the gentleman for a little while, and the man says, will you pray for me? And the man says, yes, I'll pray for you, and he turns around and he leaves. A few scenes later, the man that said that he would pray for the gentleman in the hospital comes into the hospital, and the man directly asks him, did you pray for me? And the man is confronted with the fact that his life had gotten so busy that though he had made a promise to a fellow believer, a brother, somebody whom he's supposed to love, that he would pray for him, that he had to search his heart and, say, and be honest in that moment and say, no, no, I didn't pray for you. And so how often are we flippantly using our verbiage when we're out directly with people? When we say, I'll pray for you, will, or do we expect that only a pastor or a prophet or an evangelist could actually lay hands and pray for somebody in that moment? Or do you really love Jesus so much that when you say, I'll pray for you, that you can just immediately go into and Lord God, I want to pray for my brother. I want to pray for my sister right now and then go into prayer over what their need is. Because so often we can say, I'll pray for you. But statistically speaking, George Barna or any of these other statisticians that have stuff out there, they tell us that the majority of people don't even spend five minutes a day in prayer. But yet we confidently have, constantly have that as part of our verbiage I'll pray for you. I'm praying for you. I'll say a prayer for you. I'll take a moment of silence for you. And so often, that's just us placating to somebody else and not truly showing our love for them. So that's a great example. What are other ways that we, according to this passage of scripture, that we show our love for others? How do we truly show our love for others? I mean, this passage of scripture actually says that we would die for our brethren. Mm -hmm. We'd be willing to give up our life for our brother. Sacrifice. Yeah, speaking truth. Just being truthful. Not covering up with a lie. Mm. Being truthful. And, and 
Can I take that a little bit further? What about all the people that say telling a lie is sometimes good? It's not like, I, I mean, I have a pet peeve and it's, hey, let's do lunch or, hey, let's get together. Okay, let's schedule that right now. Well, no, no, I can't schedule that right now. That's not what I mean. I mean, and then so therefore I look at the person and I'm like, so what do you mean? Do you want to get together or do you not want together? Or do you not want to get together? And the person, I have had one person say, well, it's just the thing you say. It's just like a kind thing you say. It doesn't mean that you really do it. And this person was at least 20 years older than I. And I was like, huh? I don't get it. I was like, so if you don't want to do something with me, then don't tell me, hey, let's get together. Because if you truly want to get together, then I'll truly want to get together with you. I'll make time in my schedule and we'll get together. So to me, speaking the truth hmm. speaks volumes in a relationship. What about you guys? How can you show your love for others? Being there whenever someone's in trouble, whenever someone comes to you and they're telling you what they're struggling with. And they're not asking for your opinion most of the time. Just sit there and listen to them. And if they ask for your opinion, then give your opinion. But sometimes it's just best to be a listening ear, hmm. just to be there with a person and not say anything. Yeah, that's very loving. How do you automatically know? Man, I think I would be really good friends with that person, even if you just see them on a screen. Because they just seem nice, I guess. People, like, you know, I don't know. My sister Addison would always be like, how come you can see the good in people? The only thing is, is the reason why I can see the good in people is because I'm not holding on to the bad of what they did. Mm. And so that's why I know the bad things that they did, but I'm not going to bring it up in their lifetime and accuse them for that because they would have probably already asked for forgiveness anyways, so why bring it back up in their life? So I would like to see the good in people instead of in the, the worst in people because I feel like you can trust people sometimes on certain things that you tell them. You don't tell them everything at the same time. And so uh, do you think God looks at you that way? Do you think Jesus looks at you in a way of constant forgiveness? Yes. Yeah, I do too. Wonderful. All right, the final passage of Scripture is found in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. So the final two questions today, uh, first of which is, why should we love each other? Because God first loved us. Yeah. And secondly, what happens when we love each other? God abides in us. Wow. Like, 
abides in us, like he's with us. He walks with us and he talks with us in those moments that seem so difficult, like the scenarios that I gave at the beginning of this podcast earlier today. Those are things that are directly affecting him as they're affecting us. We're walking through those scenarios together. We're not alone. We're not being singled out because if we abide in him and he abides in us, we're walking through these situations and these scenarios together. You guys have anything else to say about loving others? Then we are going to close in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for today and for every single day and that we will love the Lord all of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. If you have any questions, comments, please get a hold of us on our email address, uh, Instagram, Twitter, or on LinkedIn. Five Alive out.